You're going to love this. Just love it. You really will. Really. Yes, I do, because it's the holidays. Right. You deserve a I'm live show. I'm just kidding, kids, I'll fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle yeah, with you. Yeah, just where I like it. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Stuck in the middle with you once again. Live as the holidays begin right here in Los Angeles, KPFK, Pacifica Radio, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK.org, on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app. On the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn, on Netroots Radio, and on Liberal Justice Radio, you can run, but you can't hide from the Bradcast. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today. I know a lot of folks are uh, traveling about for the holidays. Hope your travels are safe. But uh, but curl up to the radio hearth. We've got a great show for you this afternoon uh, and a lot, a lot to cover. Uh, we will be talking momentarily. The first part of the show, that's the scary part. That's the troubling part. That's the disturbing part. The, the second part of the show, we've got some good news for you. For a change. I know on Progressive Radio, particularly on Pacifica, KPFK, everybody's always mad, everything is terrible, and that's true. You should be mad, and things are terrible. But we've got some uh, some some pretty good-ish updates for you on a number of the stories we have been uh, we've been covering on the broadcast for the last several weeks, in some cases several months. Uh, so you'll want to uh, to stay tuned for. Well, I'll give you a, a few examples. Uh, well, what has the Pope done lately that has has befuddled Rush Limbaugh? I am befuddled by what the Pope is doing. Uh, if if Rush is befuddled by it, you know that's good. So we'll have uh, we'll have some good Pope news coming up. An update on the CBS 60 Minutes Benghazi mess. Logan's run is over. I'll just say that for now. And uh, we have been covering that quite a bit. So uh, some good news there. Some good-ish news coming out of Virginia and the attorney general's race. The ongoing, still continuing count of that amazingly close race that is at this moment 165 votes separating the two candidates out of 2.2 million votes cast. Uh, let's see some, uh, oh, some non-wingnut, non-corporatist radio will be allowed to remain over our public commercial airwaves. That's good. We'll have an update on that. And our friend Randy Rhodes, uh, oh, and much more. See, see what I mean? Good news. Uh, but before we get to that good news, we'll get to the disturbing news. Uh, and this concerns, uh, a new report out, uh, this week, by the Center for Corporate Policy. It is called Spooky Business. 
corporate espionage against nonprofit organizations. And I, I got to tell you, this is troubling on a lot of levels. Uh, it, it's troubling on its own, if you read this report. And I'm going to speak momentarily with the author, Gary Ruskin, about it and and some of the things that make it so so disturbing. Uh, it, it's troubling on another, on another level for me in that I happen to be named in this report, which is always fun. Brad Friedman, Brad Blog, we're named in this report, Corporate Espionage Against Nonprofit Organizations. I will tell you why I am named, and uh, my family was uh, part of this uh, uh, targeted uh, scheme that we'll talk about uh, momentarily. But first, let's get right to the author of this report, Gary Ruskin. He's the director of the Center for Corporate Policy. During the 2012 election cycle, he was campaign manager of Prop 37 out here in California for labeling of genetically engineered food in the state of California, something we also covered when they attempted uh, proponents of that measure tried to recount the ballots in this state and got stopped cold in their tracks up in Fresno. Yeah, go back to the broadcast archives. You'll find that, too. For 14 years, Gary was uh, the director of the Congressional Accountability Project. For nine years, he was the executive director and co-founder of Commercial Alert, which opposed the commercialization of every nook and cranny of our lives and culture. I guess he lost that battle. Hey, Gary Ruskin, welcome, sir, to the broadcast. Hey, Brad, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, really delighted to have you here. Really appreciate your, uh, your, your joining me here, particularly as we're uh, in the midst of the holidays. Thank you for that. Uh, let me, uh, if I could, I just want to read a, a couple of sentences from the beginning of the executive summary of your report, and then we'll jump into some of the details. Uh, you write that this, is re- this report is an effort to document something we know little about, corporate espionage against nonprofit organizations. The entire subject is veiled in secrecy. In recent years, there have been few serious journalistic efforts and no serious government efforts to come to terms with the reality of corporate spying against nonprofits. And some of the uh, corporations you detail, some of their spying, their espionage against nonprofit organizations in this report uh, include Walmart, Monsanto, Bank of America, Dow Chemical, Kraft, Coca-Cola, Burger King, Chevron, McDonald's, Shell, BP. The list goes on and on. Um, give us an idea of, of one of the most troubling cases that you found as you pulled all of this information together. And it is hard to to, to pull together. I think we've heard about some of these stories, uh, but seeing them all together is rather remarkable. Give us an idea of one of the most troubling cases that uh, that you came across in your study, uh, unless it happens to be the U.S. Chamber of Commerce case, which we'll we'll get to in a bit. All right. Well, we definitely want to do the U.S. Chamber of Commerce case. That's disturbing on many levels, but we'll get there. Yes. Um, you know, one of the more amazing ones um, was a, a campaign that Dow Chemical uh, ran against Greenpeace. Uh, it's it disturbing for a lot of reasons. First, because um, there were so many different kind of, of, of uh, espionage operations that were focused on Greenpeace um, at that time by Dow Chemical and its contractors. Uh, and then they were so highly intrusive. Um, so let me take, take readers through, to, listeners through just for a little bit about the kinds of things that uh, Dow Chemical's, uh, you know, intelligence uh, contractors did to Greenpeace. First, 
they conducted um, at least 120 uh, efforts, uh, dump, dumpster diving efforts, and including 55 of them where they used an active duty police officer to, to get into Greenpeace's property uh, in order to obtain Greenpeace's garbage and, and to, to thereby obtain, you know, drafts of memos and, and, uh, and, the, and the like. Um, not not a retired. Let me let me clarify that, Gary. No, let me clarify that. Not a, a, a retired uh, police officer, uh, or a you know retired uh, intel officer, but an active duty police officer to get into a dumpster on private property that was that was blocked off by uh, by gates. I think that were locked and so forth. They used actual police. The the company Dow Chemical worked with the actual police to get at this at this dumpster. Do I understand that correctly? Yeah. Close, close. Basically, Dow, Dow Chemical hired a, a, a PR firm called Ketchum, which hired a, um, a, a company called an, a private investigative firm called BBI, mm-hmm. which then hired a subcontractor named James Darren, who was was then and actually still is a District of Columbia police officer. She's in the Special Operations Division now. Wonder what what kinds of the special operations he runs now, but. Any case, back then the special operations he was running with were against Greenpeace, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and so so he he was you know he he was expected to use his you know police badge to get into Greenpeace's property um, to you know get get access to the dump dumpsters so that they could haul out the trash. And it's it's one of one of the you know and, and this is not the only time that we see this and. In, in, in in the report, uh, you know, it's it's one of the one of the things that kind of it takes a while for you to get your head around yeah. how how very intrusive this uh, uh, corporate espionage is. And, and what so seems, you know, yeah, go ahead. Go on. No, well, go on. Well, I was going to say, what seems so troubling about it is that, uh, you know, it's troubling enough we've heard instances of, uh, you know, police, actual, uh, you know, police and and federal agencies and so forth sort of infiltrating uh, nonprofit groups during the Occupy movement and so forth, uh, which is disturbing enough. But at least in that case, uh, I guess they could be there under the premise and it's weak tea indeed, but uh, uh, under the premise that they are crime fighting, that in case these groups were going to commit some crime, uh, they needed to know about it. Uh, you know, I, I guess that is an argument that could be made. Like I say, it's weak tea. But in the case of these corporate groups, what possible legal justification do they have for not just working with active police but hiring their own armies, really, of, of intelligent people, uh, intelligence people? What legal basis, if any, do they have for infiltrating on these groups, uh, spying on these groups, and in some cases, I, I presume, actually committing sabotage against these groups? Well, I mean, you take the case of, you know, this guy, James Darren, the D.C. police officer who, you know, who, you know, went into or trespassed into um, Greenpeace's property at least 55 times. I mean, it, it is it is truly very difficult to come up with a a legal justification for 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 what he did, and um, he, to my knowledge, he has never been held to account for it. Um, and so, yeah, this is part of the broader story of corporate espionage against nonprofit organizations here in the United States, which is that 
it's, it's basically done with impunity. You know, these really big companies, they hire, you know, very serious, you know, <laughs> very serious people to, to conduct this espionage sometimes, but it's, it's you know, there's, there's no fallout. You compare that to, to, to corporate espionage, um, you know, the case, you know, a famous case that we know of done in France where, um, where Electricité de France, which was um, the, uh, which is the largest uh, producer of nuclear power in the world, um, spied on Greenpeace France and actually hacked into their computers and got the hard drive of the uh, campaign director of Greenpeace France. You know, but there was like a prosecution and there was like serious investigation. There were prosecutions. People, people went to jail. Big, you know, there were real fines. Um, in in the UK, uh, in in another in another corporate espionage case, um, this time uh, against uh, more against ordinary people by Rupert Murdoch's now defunct uh, newspaper News of the World, um, where there were probably as, as almost five thousand people targeted with phone hacking. Yeah, um, there is again like a very serious uh, first of a very serious investigation done by the Guardian of London, and then serious investigations done by by um, the British government, and there are actually prosecutions happening right at this moment about that. But here in the United States, Justice Department is asleep, Congress is asleep, and nothing nothing happens. It's impunity. So you see a stark difference, then, in, in the accountability that is brought uh, when these things come to light in other countries versus here in the U.S., I guess. Uh, you write... Yeah, and, yeah go ahead. Well, and it, you know, of course, when when um, when highly unethical or illegal activities are conducted with impunity, of course, you know, this is not this is not the, this fact is not lost on the people who conduct the corporate espionage. Well, they say, well, it's it's probably just open season on the nonprofits. Let's go for it. And and um, you know, there's been nothing um, to to um, to 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 stop that yet. And so that's what part of the purpose of this report is, to, you know, an effort to try to get the Justice Department and the Congress to wake up and and uh, and to make sure that this is curtailed. I'm speaking with Gary Ruskin. He's the director of the Center for Corporate Policy about his new report, Spooky Business, Corporate Espionage Against Nonprofit Organizations. Gary, you write uh, that a few giant corporations such as Walmart have essentially replicated in miniature an entire CIA directorate of intelligence for their own private use. Now, does that mean that their intelligence apparatus is uh, akin to the CIA, that they have that sort of advanced capabilities, or is this made up of uh, former intel intelligence officers from the CIA and from other intelligence agencies, or both? I mean, do they really have a, their own full-blown intelligence operation these these companies companies like Walmart Monsanto and so forth well so let's t talk about Walmart for, for a second just because it, it, in some ways it is a special case just because it has a very robust uh, internal intelligence capacity we don't really know that much about it you know there there's been a uh, you know one piece in the New York Times about it and you know a little, little bit more in the Wall Street Journal but but um, we do know that they have, you know, a very um, highly developed intelligence capacity, which they, you know, we know that they have used to to target nonprofit organizations. Um, and so um, that's that's you know most most of what we know. Um, 
as far as we as far as we do know, most most other uh, Fortune 500 companies do do not have such robust uh, intelligence capabilities. But but um, you know that's that's but it's it's a it's a little hard to answer you know so many of your questions really directly simply because what we do in our report is compile 30, 30 sets of espionage cases um, but corporate espionage cases but it's it's hard to know like if are we talking about just the tip of the iceberg or the you know just a, a yeah. or or how much of the iceberg do we really know about just a little bit or or more of that and how much of the iceberg really is there um because we don't, we can't really answer those questions. It, you know, it's a little, little hard to give full, full answers about Be- the yep. capacity. Because we know, we seem to know so little about this, and so little comes out about it because there are is so little accountability. There are so few, you know, trials. These people seem to be doing this, or, or these corporations, I should say, seem to be doing it with impunity. Um, but now we've got this flood of uh, intelligence uh, workers, people who have worked in the intelligence field, you know, since uh, 2001, since the so-called War on Terror, and a lot of these uh, intelligence agencies you uh, intelligence agents you write are then hired by these companies um, you say that the domestic market is now worth 50 billion dollars a year in 2010 the Washington Post was able to identify 1931 private companies that quote work on top secret contracts the post also estimated that out of 854,000 people with top secret clearance 265,000 are contractors and now and we're going to get into the uh, u.s chamber of commerce in a moment but what we see here is it, it seems to me in any case is this uh, this hybrid of, of of private and public uh, agencies where you've got these these private contractors working on public uh, cases you know creating tools with taxpayer money to to track terrorists and so forth and then turning those tools uh, towards the private sector and towards uh, whether it's nonprofits or you know private citizens. In my case, as was with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, um, uh, are, are basically uh, government agencies now just outsourcing their spying to these uh, to these companies and the same companies. Uh, you know, in other words, putting out you mentioned BBI as as one of the companies that has now changed its name, but outsourcing their spying to these companies. These companies are creating tools, following you know, supposedly tracking terrorists, and then using that information and that data that they've gained thanks to government largesse, and saying, "Hey, Walmart, we're now available to use all of this data." Uh, against the people that you're concerned about. Is that kind of the way this operation seems to now be working, Gary? Yeah, I think it's pretty close. I mean, so there is this now, this vast uh, private intelligence capacity that is being used, you know, for our government purposes. These are government contractors. They hang out their shingle and they say, you know, we'll, you know, we'll work for for Department of Homeland Security or Department of Defense or CIA or NSA, and they, you know, they provide their services. But they're also, you know, they are, are also on the market to to sell their services to to you know big companies and little companies to conduct espionage for other purposes as well. Um, and so, so, um, so in effect, uh, uh, you know, these large uh, companies are able to hire portions of our national security state. And focus the tools of 
their tools of spycraft on on our on our nonprofits, um, and that is something that has really not been written about or understood very well. And that's that's a lot of the, what we're trying to explain. And in some ways, you know, let's, it'd be great to move along to uh, to talk to the talk about the Chamber of Commerce yeah. story because in some ways it it really um, explain it explains. Um, this phenomenon, you know, really, really mm-hmm. well. So, do you want to do you want to head to that you, story? Yeah, I do actually. And and let me let me just set this up uh, again from your report. Uh, you write a team Themis. This was a group of uh, three contractors, three defense contractors, security contractors, making you know uh, have big government contracts. They got together. They called themselves Team Themis, and they offered to infiltrate critics. Of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which is the largest lobbying group in the world. It's not a government agency, as a lot of people think. It's the largest government, uh, largest lobbying group in the world. They are, in my opinion, far right wing. Uh, You write in a brief for Hunton and Williams. That's their law firm. They propose to use the following tactics to mitigate uh, the effect of adversarial groups. And the tactics include discredit, confuse, shame, combat, infiltrate, fracture, they propose using these tactics against the Center for American Progress, MoveOn.org, Velvet Revolution, which is a nonprofit that uh, that I formed some years ago, uh, Move to Amend, Brad's Blog. By the way, I'm called the Brad Blog, but I won't hold that against you, Gary. Brad's Blog, Joe Trippy, Brave New Films, um, and and then I mentioned here specifically uh, because we only learned about this scheme, and it was to be originally a twelve million dollar scheme. We learned about it. Because uh, Anonymous, the hacker group, the hacker collective, was concerned that this one uh, group that made up Team Themis by the name of H.B. Gary was going to expose the uh, identities of the people in Anonymous. And so really like a needle in a haystack, they said, well, no. We're not going to let you do that. They hacked H.B. Gary. They got all of their email. They put it out on the web. And then we find this huge scheme by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that mentions me, that was going to target me, that had information on my family, my you know distant family, all sorts of things, people who aren't even involved in the work uh, that I do. Um, and at the same time, a parallel plot, these same three defense contractors were working together, uh, on not just on behalf of U.S. Chamber of Commerce, but also Bank of America to target Glenn Greenwald, another journalist in a, uh, a parallel scheme, very much the same. We've got documents uh, out the Yahoo on this, uh, you know, spelling out exactly what they were working on doing, uh, and yet. No accountability, no hearings in Congress. Um, you know, how do you explain this, Gary? I've got a, a theory about why, but how do you explain the lack of accountability and apparently the lack of interest by uh, by the media, by law enforcement, uh, and everyone else on this rather stunning case? And stunning not just because I happen to be at the center of it, one of the targets here. Well, I mean, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is the most powerful lobbyist, lobbying organization on the planet. And so, you know, it, it's, it's pretty obvious why they didn't want to have <laughs> hearings about, um, uh, you know, these, these plans, which, as far as we can tell, were never executed. But we don't, you know, we don't really know, um, you know, how far they went with these plans and, you know, whether other plans were executed. I, I, I think, 
it's also important just just to make it a little bit more real for 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 the listeners just to 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 just go over a couple of the bios of the people who were they were they were going to deploy a, to to uh, to conduct espionage against you all. Um, so is, is that all right if I just sure yeah please them just to, to give me, okay so yeah. so one one guy that they were trying they were, they were going to send against you was a, somebody named Guy Filipelli quote a, a former U.S. Army military intelligence officer with service in Germany, Korea, Iraq, Afghanistan, and is a civil special assistant to the director of the NSA. Yep. He most recently returned from several weeks in Afghanistan in June 2010, conducting a comprehensive assessment for senior defense and intelligence officials. So this is a very, very serious man that they are going to deploy against you. Okay, so let's just do one more. Yeah. Um, Doug Philippone yep. uh, deployed to Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan for a total of six deployments uh, between 2003 to seven. He commanded multiple Joint Special Operations Command outstations in support of the global war on terror. Doug ran the foreign fighter campaign on the Syrian border in 2005 to stop the flow of suicide bombers into Baghdad. As a, com- as a commander, Doug ran the entire intelligence cycle, identified high-level terrorists, planned missions to capture or kill or capture them, led the missions personally, and then exploited the intelligence and the evidence gathered on target to defeat broader enemy networks. And these, you know, there's more. I mean, this, this yeah. is the caliber of people that um, the, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, you know, its, its, its attorney was, was uh, you know, considering uh, deploying against uh, you know the nonprofit critics uh, 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 of the Chamber of Commerce. It's 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 pretty shocking. Yeah, it's very shocking, and it's not. You know, a lot of people they 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 hear about these stories. They hear about you know the NSA spying, and I'll have a a, a new story on that uh, that involves porn, by the way. So you want to stay tuned for that. But you know, they hear about these things. They sort of think that they're abstract ideas. Uh, this is all very real, and it's very real against people like me who, you know, I have a blog, I have a radio show, I formed an organization that basically, you know, took public documents that were available publicly and said, look, look how the people involved with the Chamber of Commerce are are, are breaking the law in many cases, are abusing the law, and, you know, we get these guys who are special agents in Afghanistan uh, special intelligence agents you know, working in the war on terror uh, in a $12 million plot to go against U.S. citizens. Is this something, Gary Ruskin, that you see in these other plots where uh, where, the, where they've taken uh, tools and uh, uh, the personnel from the war on terror? Because these groups were using you know tools to track terrorists. They were going to use those tools to tra- track me and my family. Is this something that we see in, uh, in, in a lot of these cases, in corporate espionage, where they really tap into the government resources to turn them against citizens? This is a real thing. I know it was in my case. Is it a real thing in, in a lot of these cases that you looked at in your report? Yeah, and some of them, again, you know, the information that we have is so fragmentary um, so that it's really hard to, you know, to say very much. But, you know, another, you know, sort of famous case, um, you know, we know that um, the the head of Feld Entertainment, which owned owns Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus has hired this man named this famous spook named Claire George, who was a former CIA deputy director of operations. 
um, to surveil and disrupt PETA and other animal rights groups. Um, so, you know, I mean, there, there is the capacity to, to hire some of the very most uh, talented, knowledgeable, sophisticated spooks, uh, you know, on the planet, yeah. And to 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 focus their their attentions on on, uh, on nonprofit organizations. Is there ever any in this country? I know you mentioned out of uh, you know in Europe we see accountability. Do we see any instances of accountability in this country, in the U.S.? I know there's been no accountability to date in the U.S. Chamber story. And as you mentioned, Gary, uh, one of the reasons probably because they are the most powerful lobbying organization in the world. Uh, and, you know, 94 percent of their money, I think, goes to Republicans. The Republicans in Congress certainly don't want to investigate uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and lose out on all of that money. Uh, as well, I should add, the uh, the scheme, the parallel scheme, scheme uh, of those three companies that the U.S. Chamber wanted to hire, those three companies uh, were going to work on behalf of Bank of America to discredit journalist Glenn Greenwald. And as we understand from the documents, uh, they were referred by the Department of Justice. So the Department of Justice, I suspect, is not going to get accountability for these schemes either. But do we see, do you see any instances, frankly, any hope of accountability of somebody stepping up, or is it going to take private uh, private lawsuits to ever get accountability in in these uh, huge corporate cases? Well, I think I think there is hope. I mean, I think you know we have to present our you know our case to to the Justice Department, and you know more more importantly, we have to tell our members of Congress that you know we think this is important and we want to investigate it. Um, as to whether or not this sort of thing has been investigated in the past, well, you know, I, I, I don't know very many cases of that, but, in, you know, the, the last famous one really was in 1966 when Ralph Nader was working on auto safety. There was a, a, an enterprising young journalist from the New Republic who wrote a story about private investigators, you know, tasked by General Motors to... to um, to find dirt on him. And then, you know, following up on that story, there was a Senate committee chaired by Senator Abraham Ribicoff, who held a, you know, a kind of a famous hearing confirming in detail GM's uh, espionage against Ralph Nader. And that helped to, um, to bring about auto and highway safety laws in 1966. Um, but there hasn't been so much recently. And, and Lord knows there has been a lot of corporate espionage activity recently. And so, um, so we're hoping that uh, some public pressure will help make uh, Congress and uh, the Justice, Justice Department pay attention. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about, uh, because, you know, uh, I've certainly uh, brought pressure as as best as I could as a private citizen. I know Glenn Greenwald did when when all of this uh, came out. They know about this. It came up in in Congress. Uh, you know, a couple of Democrats tried to get an explanation. The fact, Gary, that you have to go back to 1966 uh, to find, a, you know, a any real cases of accountability here kind of says, you know what, uh, you people, you private citizens, y'all are on your own in this corporatocracy at this point. Uh, the corporations now, uh, they seem to own our elections since Citizens United. They seem to be spying, committing espionage with impunity uh, against U.S 
U.S. citizens. They're allowed to take part in uh, these, uh, you know, so-called free trade treaties like the TPP, but private citizens aren't allowed in. Uh, I think the corporatocracy has won. The question is, uh, you know, how we actually turn that table. And your report, Spooky Business, Corporate Espionage Against Nonprofit Organization, uh, helps to draw the picture of what's out there. And folks should stop by and read it. We'll have it at bradblog.com, but you can go to corporatepolicy.org and read this uh, really important report. Gary, I got to thank you for this report uh, because, you know, I think people really need to see this in one place. Very quickly before we go, uh, what is next as you see it in this story? Will you be following up this report uh, in some fashion, or is this now up to the up to the media, back, back in the media's court to... Uh, to try to make hay of this in some fashion? We'll be doing more. There are some other parts of it that haven't um, we haven't done yet um, that we want to do, and um, so, so there will be more, um, so, so stay tuned. Let me know how I can help. I hope I'm, I'm not in the next part of this, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I suspect I might be. Uh, Gary, Gary Ruskin from the Center for Corporate Policy, corporatepolicy.org. Uh, really, really appreciate your work and your joining us here uh, as we head into the holidays. Have a very good one, my friend, and, and please do come back soon. You too. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show and for your kind words. You bet. Thanks, Gary. Parts over, mostly. We're going to take a quick break here and come back with a whole bunch of updates on a bunch of stories that we've been covering. Like I said, most of them good news, so hopefully we'll cheer you up. A little scary news and porn, all of that straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Stay with us. We're all fugitives. Look at the way we live. Down cannot sleep from fear, no. I said which way do I turn? Oh, I forget. Tune in every morning, Monday through Friday, to listen to Democracy Now! Your host is the incomparable Amy Goodman, who will keep you updated with current affairs, breaking news reports, and the most important topics of the day. So tune in at 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. every weekday from Monday to Friday here at KPFK on 90.7 FM in Los Angeles and 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara County.
Hola, ¿qué tal? I am Rubén Luengas, host of Contragolpe. Contragolpe airs every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Tune in to hear a different perspective from the Spanish-speaking community. If you don't understand Spanish, don't worry, you can practice a little bit with me. I invite you to listen to my show, Contragolpe. Contragolpe. Credibility, facts, analysis, debate, and intense dialogue. Contragolpe, part of the new and exciting lineup, Wednesday nights. Standing up at the gates of hell. This is your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman on Pacifica Radio's KPFK and on the Progressive Voices app on the uh, on TuneIn app, I should say. Netroots Radio, Liberal Justice Radio. Glad you could join us. We are live. Yes, you know, speaking of spying... Again, and, and this one, this goes out to the Obama bots. This goes out to everybody who thinks that we should not listen to Edward Snowden, that there's nothing to worry about with the NSA spying. Uh, this just out last night from Glenn Greenwald, Ryan Gallagher, and Ryan Grimm at the uh, at the Huffington Post. The National Security Agency has been gathering records of online sexual activity and evidence of visits to pornographic websites as part of a proposed plan to harm the reputation of those whom the agency believes are radicalizing others through incendiary speech, according to top-secret NSA documents. Uh, The documents provided by NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden identifies six targets, all Muslims, as exemplars, that's a quote, of, quote, personal vulnerabilities, of how personal vulnerabilities can be learned through electronic surveillance and exploited to undermine a target's credibility, reputation, and authority. The NSA document dated October 3, 2012 repeatedly refers to the power of charges of hypocrisy and undermines such a messenger, quote, a previous SIG int, that's a signals intelligence, the interception of communications, uh, assessment report on radicalization indicated that radicalizers appear to be particularly vulnerable in the area of authority when their private and public behaviors are not consistent, the document argues. Among the vulnerabilities listed by the NSA that can be effectively exploited are, quote, viewing sexually explicit material online. The director of the National Security Agency is listed as the originator of this document. Beyond the NSA itself, the listed recipients include the Department of Justice and Commerce and the Drug Enforcement Agency. Uh, So, you know, when you hear that story that I was talking about, about my being targeted by uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce paying uh, defense contractors, three defense contractors who will never be held accountable because they've got government contracts, they've got huge government contracts. And the Department, I'm sorry, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce was willing to spend $12 million to those people to target people like me, not just people like me, but actually me. And other progressives, journalists, uh, activists, and so forth. And here they are now willing to, you know, and you hear this from the from the Obama. Oh, they're you know they're not looking at anything. They're just checking uh, metadata. 
Well, they're looking at the metadata of what websites you visit. And if you don't think that this can be and that this will be, and that potentially this has been turned against U.S. citizens. Uh, six of the people that they talk about in this report, one of them was uh, described as a U.S. person, which either means a non-citizen who is in the U.S., or it could mean a U.S. citizen. This report's over at, uh, at, at HuffPo, uh, quotes uh, James Bamford, journalist who's been covering the NSA since the early 1980s. Uh, he said the use of surveillance to exploit embarrassing private behavior is precisely what led to past U.S. surveillance scandals. Quote, the NSA's operation is eerily similar to the FBI's operation under J. Edgar Hoover in the 1960s, where the Bureau used wiretapping tools to discover vulnerabilities such as sexual activity to neutralize their targets. He said that back then, the idea was developed by the longest-serving FBI chief in U.S. history. That was Hoover. Today, it was suggested by the longest-serving NSA chief in U.S. history. That NSA chief has now been serving, I think, for 15 years and using the tools uh, that have been created in that time apparently against U.S. persons, but nothing to worry about, right? Oh, it's all stuff we knew. Edward Snowden, he's got nothing new. It's stuff we knew. It's stuff we heard about under the Bush administration. Nothing has changed here. Nothing to worry about, right? Yeah, not so much. Okay, well, I promised some good news. I'll get to that in a moment. Oh, here's some, some fun news. KPFK's own Jimmy Dore, our good friend, he's headlining this Saturday night, 10 p.m. at the Hollywood Improv, if you happen to be out here in Southern California. Uh, there's a link for tickets at jimmydorecomedy.com. Door is spelled D-O-R-E. He's pairing with uh, Jimmy B. Jean Pumpa from Conan O'Brien and our other friend, oh, our good friend, HBO's Rick Overton, former KPFK host. And, of course, Jimmy himself, whose hour-long special entitled Citizen Jimmy was chosen by was chosen best of the year by iTunes. That's this Saturday, 10 p.m. at the Hollywood Improv uh, at the intersection of Melrose and Crescent Heights. Please stop on by, say hey to our friend Jimmy. He was uh, preempted last week, so he didn't get to uh, pimp that gig. So con consider it done, Jimmy. Okay, uh, some of the good news updates from uh, stories we've been following. We've been following this disaster, this train wreck of a 60-minute story on the pretend Benghazi scandal. Oh, I should say, by the way, uh, you can... Uh, I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com, but you can also get me on the Twitters at TheBradBlog. Since we're not going to have time, I suspect, to get to the phones as much as I would love to. But too much to cover here today. CBS Laura Logan, uh, who gave that bogus report on Benghazi on 60 Minutes, that 60 Minutes refused to retract for about two weeks. They finally retracted the story. That's the good news. They pulled it down. They did a tepid apology 90 seconds at the end of the broadcast a couple of weeks ago uh, and said they would do an internal study to see what went wrong, to why they got it wrong, why their entire story was built around a source who claimed that he was at Benghazi at the mission as it was being attacked when, in fact, he was never there. He spent the night at his seaside uh, villa. Uh, well, they've sort of done an internal report now, and uh, they found that mistakes were made. Yes, it was a regrettable mistake, according to Jeff Fager, who happens to be both the chairman 
of CBS News and the executive producer of 60 Minutes. So it's unlikely he's going to fire himself or ask himself to take a leave of absence. He has, however, asked CBS's Laura Logan, the correspondent on that story, uh, to take a leave of absence. Didn't fire her, but yeah, leave of absence. Take a little break. It's the holidays, Laura. Eh, take a break. Max McClellan, her producer, he's also going to take just a little break, a little leave of absence. But theoretically, they'll be back. Contrast that, of course, to what happened to Dan Rather and four producers who were fired, not temporarily, but permanently, back in 2004 when they reported the accurate story of George W. Bush's lack of service in the Texas Air National Guard. Well, at least there's some accountability there. That's good. We'll see what happens. My money, uh, my bet, uh, Laura Logan's going to end up at Fox News. She's a wingnut, by the way, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we had uh, blogger Digby on. Uh, she's a wingnut. So she would uh, she would do very well over at Fox, um, the home of disgraced, discredited journalists. They got no problem with that over there. Uh, speaking of the Texas Air, uh, Texas National Guard, some good news. Texas National Guard has decided they will follow the law. Yes, they will follow the law and provide benefits for same sex couples at all facilities. Now, that's good. They had been fighting it. Oh, the equality it burns. <sighs> Treating people fairly. This, you know, that becomes news. We're going to be fair. We're going to follow the law in Texas. That is now news. So some good news, uh, some good news there. Some good news from the Pope. Not just because it has ticked off Rush Limbaugh, who is befuddled. He's befuddled by what the what the Pope is. That was the rush today. Uh, the Pope uh, released an 84-page document this week titled Even oh, here we go. Evangelii Gaudium. It was released Tuesday. Uh, pope Francis called upon politicians to provide, quote, dignified work, education, and health care to all citizens. No wonder Rush was befuddled. Among the things that Pope Francis said, get this, sit down, if you're Rush Limbaugh, you might want to lie down. Quote, some people continue to defend trickle-down economic theories, which assume that economic growth encouraged by a free market will inevitably succeed in bringing about greater justice and inclusiveness in the world. This opinion, which has never been confirmed by the facts, expresses a crude and naive trust in the goodness of those wielding economic power and in the sacralized workings of the prevailing economic system. Meanwhile, the excluded are still waiting. Way to go, Pope Francis. That was Pope Francis from his new document that has befuddled Rush Limbaugh. Um, our friend uh, LOLGOP, as he's known on Twitter, says Rush Limbaugh scorches the Pope. Conservatives better hope Rush doesn't read the Gospels next. Yeah, no kidding. I love this Pope. He, You know, the world could be writing itself. Uh, okay, some more good news. Uh, Randy Rhodes, uh, another friend who we reported was being uh, fired, dropped, canned. Her contract ended by Clear Channel. Uh, Clear Channel's uh, syndication arm, Premier Networks, Premier, the largest syndication arm in the world. Clear Channel, the largest uh, owner of stations taking advantage of our public airwaves. 
uh, had announced Randy Rhodes would be ending her contract at the end of the year, and a day or two later, they changed their mind. So, the good news, some non-wingnut, some non-corporatist talk radio will remain over our public airwaves as we head into the election uh, year of 2014. Uh, More good news. Oh, well, you heard about this, the uh, Senate majority invoking what we call not the nuclear option, but the democracy option in the U.S. Senate, stopping the unprecedented obstruction by Republicans. That's something we've talked about uh, for uh, for several months on this uh, on this broadcast and glad to see that Harry Reid finally uh, put together a pair and he will be now uh, when at least when it comes to. Uh, Non-Supreme Court members uh, of the judiciary will now allow a straight up or down majority vote. Yes, democracy has returned, at least partially, to the U.S. Senate. Also very good news. Uh, what else do I have here before we get to the to the green news? Report? Oh, yeah. I, oh, OK. Well, here, two, two, uh, I'm going to try to do this really quick. Desi, get on standby. G, get her theme music ready. Uh, I'm going to try to hit these quick. Uh, Health care spending has flattened since the passage of Obamacare. That's right. Uh, a, a new report from the White House shows that Health care spending since 2010 has increased by just 1.3 percent, the smallest cost cost growth over a three year period in American history. Now, I've got a lot of opinions about Obamacare. I'd rather see a single payer system, a more moral single payer system, or at least a public option system. But it looks as though while it's not known for sure what's causing health care costs to not spike as they had been, uh, it looks like that uh, a lot of this is due to Obamacare. Since the passage of Obamacare and the new uh, regulations that are put in place for costs at hospitals. So that's some good news. Well, I hope we'll cover that more in the future. I wanted to get it in because the fact is that, you know, the media loves these uh, Obamacare is a disaster stories. And um, they're not covering so much of the good news that, frankly, is uh, coming out of Obamacare. And by the way, I look to uh, look forward to getting uh, a huge hundreds of save thousands of dollars a year, frankly, on a new health care policy by the end of the year. Thanks to Obamacare. Uh, finally, Virginia, we'll talk a little bit more about this next week, I suspect, but Virginia is uh, now going to have a recount, a statewide recount, 2.2 million votes were cast in the uh, in the recent November election uh, and the Virginia attorney general's race out of two more than 2.2 million votes is down to 165 votes. The Democrat has been certified as the winner in that race. If the Democrat Mark Herring goes on to win that, ultimately, uh, then Democrats would have taken all three of the uh, statewide seats this year in Virginia. But Mark Obenchain, the Republican, should I call him a sore loser? Because that's what would happen if the Democrat had uh, filed for a recount. Mark Obenchain is filing for a recount. That's actually good news. I love having votes counted. The bad news in Virginia, almost all the votes, well, most of the votes, are counted by 100% unverifiable touchscreens, so there's nothing to recount. The rest of the state does use paper ballots, but according to Virginia law, paper ballots uh, that have been op-scanned, optically scanned by a computer, 
during the regular accounting will now be run through that op scanner once again in the quote unquote recount. As if that's not bad enough. The loser of that recount can file a contest. That contest is decided not in a court of law, but by the Republican legislature of Virginia. So uh, this could go on for a while. Yes, Santa Claus, there is a Virginia. This is going to go on for a while. Let's do some green news while we have the chance. It's not easy being green. How are we going to fit everything in today, Desi? It seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things. Give her some mic juice there. Desi needs a little uh, mic juice. You there? It's not working. There There it is. Yay. Thank you. Okay, Desi Doyen, uh, we got to get to the green news report. But before we do, for folks who didn't hear... Uh, Last week, this U.N. climate conference in uh, Warsaw, Poland, looked like it was a disaster. Yes, it looked like it was going to collapse in a shambles. They had, uh, on Wednesday of last week, the developing countries, 133 of them with China, walked out in in protest. And then on Thursday, the uh, non-governmental organizations and grassroots environmental groups, and even the big ones like Environmental Defense Fund and all those guys, walked Walked out out. on Thursday, also complaining about the lack of progress. It's the same old divide between rich countries and poor countries. Poor countries wish to have more support financing and assistance in recovering from disasters and that's a big and, problem and by the way and we, so we've got some good news on this point because that yes. was last week it looked like a disaster oh and, and, and also and, by the way Poland yeah, the, yeah. The, the guy who was running he, the conference yeah the, the, the guy in charge of the conference because it was being hosted in Poland Poland hosts it it's the environmental minister of Poland was fired by the Polish government um, and he was allowed to continue as president of the conference but he was fired from his position in favor of a guy who would focus more on coal and natural gas in favor of coal and yes. that was last week it was a disaster they may have pulled it out of the fire let's go to this week's uh, latest green news report nobody is exempted of responsibility last minute agreement at contentious u.n climate talks in warsaw u.s methane emissions 50 percent higher than previously thought world's first genetically modified animal one step closer to market Plus, Ontario, Canada breaks up with coal. How did you find the moral courage to change, to rise up, to act? And part of the answer will be Ontario, Canada led the way. And Al Gore is happy about it. All of those happy thoughts and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Global warming is the perfect excuse to not do anything for people living in the third world. Perfect okay. excuse to not do anything to help poor people. Yeah, yeah. which is sad. Right. Oh, Fox News is sad about poor people. Yeah, sure you are. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, as the Thanksgiving holiday is upon us, it looks like maybe there's something to be thankful for out of Warsaw, Poland? Yeah, the contentious UN climate treaty negotiations. Contentious? They had been in shambles, that uh, climate conference. Yes, they were in shambles, but they pulled it out of the fire at the last minute. They had a modest agreement over the weekend in Warsaw, Poland, establishing a pathway to a global climate treaty in 2015. That's according to Christiana Figueres, the chief of the United Nations Climate Treaty. 
treaty negotiations. Everybody has known that, uh, that they have committed to a 2015 agreement and many countries have already started the domestic analysis that they need to, uh, to undertake in order to decide what contributions they can make. That was via talk radio news service. The Warsaw talks bogged down in the ongoing conflict between the different responsibilities of developed countries versus developing countries. But in overtime, all 195 member countries agreed to contribute to cutting their emissions. Nobody is exempted of responsibility. Every country must contribute what it can. Every sector must contribute what it can. Every technology must contribute what it can. Slowly but surely, we're moving in that direction. Specific commitments will be worked out in the coming year. Other key positive developments include increased funding incentives to end deforestation and increased financing for clean energy development in poor countries. So it's a pathway to a walkway, to a trail, to a possible treaty down the road. Uh, snatched at the last minute in Poland. Yes, from the jaws of defeat. You can get the full rundown at our website, greennews.bradblog.com. Hey man, we'll take what we can get. Not good news. A new study finds emissions of methane in the United States could be as much as 50% higher than previously estimated by the Environmental Protection Agency. That's bad because methane is a much more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide with serious impacts for near-term global warming. The researchers used direct measurements rather than the estimates that are currently used by the EPA, and they found the highest methane concentrations were in states with heavy oil and gas production and lots of cattle ranching. Um, no comment. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Cal Farts and fracking, essentially. I could do without the fracking. Canada has approved genetically modified salmon eggs for commercial-scale production on farms. The eggs are spliced with genes from two other fish species to make the salmon grow twice as fast. Canada's approval means genetically modified salmon is one step closer to being the first ever genetically modified animal approved for human consumption. I can't wait. Sounds delicious. <laughs> While the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has not yet approved GMO salmon for sale in the U.S., but it looks like it's going to. Oh yeah, they will. It's just a matter of time, isn't it? But some good news from Canada. How did you find the moral courage to change, to rise up, to act? And part of the answer will be Ontario, Canada led the way. Former Vice President Al Gore was on hand to praise the province of Ontario and its governor, Kathleen Wynne, who announced on Monday the closure of Ontario's last coal-fired power plant. So it's a win-win for everyone. It's extremely important that other parts of the world have models to point to where governments are taking action, are making it clear that they are going to uh, that they are going to deal with uh, with climate change issues. Finally, if you're buying any electronic gadget this holiday season, be sure you don't waste your energy. Save your friends and family money over the long run by getting the most energy efficient versions. We have an energy efficient gadget guide at our website, greennews.bradblog.com. And before we go to a short break for the Thanksgiving holiday, our thanks to all of you who have answered our call, stopped by bradblog.com, and left a donation to help us stay on your public airwaves. We are fighting like hell to do it, and we really appreciate all of the support from those of you who have been stopping by to answer our call. Thank you. Thank you. 
Remember, you can download us anytime via iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Find us and like us on the Facebook. Follow us 24-7 on the Twitters at Green News Report. And please have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you indeed. We're running late. We'll be back. Same Brad time, same Brad channel next week on the Bradcast. My thanks to everyone here. We'll see you next week. Until then, find me at bradblog.com and on the Twitters at the Bradblog. I'm Brad Friedman. Good night, America.